0: Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And
1: I'm Natasha Smith, reporting this week from Atlanta, Georgia.
0: And we'd like to welcome you to the weekly Ministry Watch podcast. Every
1: week, Warren and I will be bringing you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resource God has given
0: us. On today's program, we'll discuss the closing of Portland's Concordia College and what that closing is telling us about Christian higher education in this country.
1: Also on today's program, Franklin Graham and his decision to hold evangelistic crusades in England, even though every venue has canceled on him.
0: All that and a whole lot more on today's edition of the Ministry Watch podcast.
1: But first, Warren, a bit of housekeeping— We've had a number of people emailing us asking if we're related.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a fair question since we share a last name, but uh, there are a lot of Smiths in the world. And so far as I know, Natasha, we are not related, though if we both did some genealogy, we could discover that we're like 10th cousins or something like that.
1: (laughs) That's right. Well, speaking of relations, we're going to start with a story related to a whole string of reports you've been doing over the last few months. It's the latest on the strange saga of James McDonald and Harvest Bible Chapel. Warren, what's going on there?
0: Well, barely a year after being fired from Harvest Bible Chapel for conduct that was called harmful to the best interests of the church, disgraced former Pastor James McDonald has already launched a new online ministry and home church network. Uh, The news was first reported by the Royce Report, and according to Julie Royce, last November, the elders at Harvest Bible Chapel formally disqualified McDonald from public ministry, saying that his behavior did not meet the standards for leadership outlined in Scripture. The church also released results of a financial review, which found that under James McDonald, the church had suffered massive corporate governance failures. The review also found that McDonald had used secret accounts to funnel millions in church funds to himself for personal use. Well, that doesn't sound like good news. Well, it's not. And it's, you know, one more example, unfortunately, of a sort of a lack of accountability in, in the evangelical church today and the lack of a clear process for restoration. I mean, when somebody goes through something like what James McDonald has gone through, that doesn't necessarily mean they're disqualified forever from ministry, but they need to put themselves under the authority of someone that can restore them slowly back to ministry. For James McDonald just to pop up a year later and say, I'm back, uh, is a real big problem, not only for donors to his ministry, but also for the evangelical church generally, which is already suffering a credibility crisis. Uh, You can be sure, in other words, uh, Natasha, that we're going to be keeping an eye on this story. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, up next, one of the stories that we mentioned at the top of the show, and that's of Franklin Graham's trip to the United Kingdom. Ministry Watch has been reporting that venues have been canceling on him. So what's the latest?
0: Well, the latest... Is that Franklin Graham is going to the UK anyway? Franklin Graham said that he'll do his summer tour of the United Kingdom, even though all eight venues have canceled his appearance. The venues are citing Graham's biblical pro family views, which are being misrepresented as anti LGBTQ views, as the reason for the cancellation. Uh, I talked to someone at the Graham organization, and he said that they're working with churches to find other venues right now. And, uh, um, Graham himself dismissed the opposition, saying that it's coming from a small but vocal minority.
1: And I understand that he's also said that this kind of resistance is not new.
0: Yeah, he did. And not only that, he cited his own father, Billy Graham, uh, who experienced opposition in the UK during his first tour there in 1954, more than a half century ago. Uh, When my father first came to Haringey, there was a petition circulated by many churches demanding that he not be allowed in the country, Franklin Graham said. So throughout history, the gospel has consistently faced opposition.
1: That's right. And speaking of opposition, some Christian ministries operating in Central America are facing a big drop in funding, and their opposition is coming from an unexpected source.
0: Yeah, that unexpected source, in fact, is the United States, uh, our own um, uh, federal government. Uh, Christian ministries in Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador will lose funding because of a Trump administration decision to drastically cut foreign aid to those three Central American countries. According to an article in Christianity Today, some of the more than $500 million of U.S. taxpayer money that the Trump administration has cut was going to nonprofits working on economic development, anti-corruption efforts, and helping children in poverty in those three countries. Now, the Trump administration cut that aid because he said that those countries were not doing an adequate job in stemming the flow of migration into this country. But obviously, there's been some unintended consequences. In fact, the International Justice Mission, which is a ministry that has been very popular with evangelicals, a ministry that works on the sex trafficking question, uh, had to lay off 40 percent of its Guatemalan staff. and many of them, in fact, were Native Guatemalans.
1: Warren, we have to take a break. But when we return, news of a major Christian college shutting its doors and just to prove that there's still some good news out there, a story of a ministry that helps women and girls leave the so-called adult entertainment industry. I'm Natasha Smith in Atlanta.
0: And I'm Warren Smith
2: in Charlotte. And we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. For more information about our life saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to SavetheStorks.com. That's SavetheStorks.com.
1: Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith along with my co host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to Ministry Watch Weekly Podcast. Warren, up next in the program is the story of a Christian college shutting down. You've got the details.
0: Yeah, I do. 115 years ago, Concordia University was founded. It's a private Lutheran school in Portland, Oregon, and announced on Monday that it'll close its doors for good after the spring semester. The university's mounting debt left the school and its leadership at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod with very few options, and it's uh, been forced to cease operations as of April 25th. Now, the school sits on 24 acres, and the university's campus is expected to be sold, and students will be assisted with transferring to other schools for the next semester. Uh, But it's going to have a major impact there. The university's law school, which is in Boise, Idaho, also will reportedly shut down.
1: And our listeners can read more about this college at ministrywatch.com. And in that story, you mentioned that Concordia's problems will likely show up in other colleges in the years ahead.
0: Yeah, some of Concordia's uh Uh, problems and the closure of that school is just another example of the growing challenges that all colleges and universities are facing, especially private Christian schools. Uh, There will be fewer college-aged kids in the future, for one thing, uh, and that's partly the result of smaller families in the culture. Uh, The availability of student loans and government grants was supposed to make college more affordable, but it has had the perverse effect of driving up the cost of college education. Increasingly, students are simply choosing not to go to college or choosing other kinds of post-secondary education as well, such as technical schools or professional development of another kind. Online colleges are also taking a big bite out of the traditional brick-and-mortar college.
1: And this sort of closing has been enormously disruptive.
0: Well, it is. In fact, at least one student has already sued the school, uh, saying that Concordia University misrepresented the qualities and characteristics of its education services and the value of its tuition credits.
1: And so what happens to the school? You mentioned that it's on a 24-acre campus. I assume that's worth something.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, it also, though, might be uh, worth stepping back, Natasha, and just mentioning to our listeners uh, something that they probably need to know about nonprofits. And that is that when a nonprofit goes out of business, the assets of that nonprofit have to go to another nonprofit. They can't just be sold in the money you know, put in the pockets of the leadership. In this case, those assets will likely end up in the hands of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which is one of the more conservative denominations uh, within the sort of the Lutheran sphere of denominations. The Reverend Dr. Matthew Harrison is the current president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and he told the church's official news service that these are trying times and we ask for the prayers of all as we seek to move forward according According to the will of God.
1: These are trying times indeed. And another organization facing trying times is the Acts 29 network. What's happening there?
0: Well, the church planting network Acts 29 has removed its CEO, Stephen Temes, amid accusations of spiritual abuse that were brought against him by 15 of the Acts 29 staff members.
1: Okay, so spiritual abuse kind of sounds a little bit vague. What does that mean?
0: Well, the allegations specifically in this case included bullying, intimidation, and developing what they call a culture of fear through controlling behavior and an inability on Stephen Timmons' part of being able to accept criticism.
1: And this isn't the first time that Acts 29 has been embroiled in controversy.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. Acts 29 had to come back from a near implosion in 2014. Uh, That crisis was caused when Acts 29 co-founder Mark Driscoll, who was then the pastor at Morris Hill Church in Seattle, was accused of, ironically, some of the same things that Timus is being accused of now. In fact, uh, the Timus signed a letter accusing Driscoll of some of those same accusations that uh, are now being leveled against Timus himself.
1: Wow. So what's happening now?
0: Well, the Acts 29 president is Matt Chandler, who is uh, the pastor of a large church in Dallas, Texas called the Village Church. Uh, And Matt Chandler told Christianity Today that the organization is prayerfully committed to seeking some sort of a reconciliation with Timis. It's not clear what that means, and that is causing some concern around people who are uh, you know, have some issues with Timus's leadership style. Uh, they don't know whether that means that Matt Chandler would be open to bringing Timus back, uh, and that could be because one of the tough things about this situation is that Timus does, in fact, deserve a lot of the credit for riding the ship after the Mark Driscoll debacle. Uh, under his leadership, Acts 29 expanded from around 300 U.S. churches to more than 800 churches worldwide. So this is forcing a lot of people to ask hard questions about what the difference is between strong leadership and abusive leadership. That's a tough
1: question indeed. You're listening to Ministry Watch Podcast. I'm Natasha Smith, along with our co-host and Ministry Watch President Warren Smith. We'll have more for you after this short
2: break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com.
1: Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you've been listening to Ministry Watch Podcast, where we unpack stories of Christian ministries in the news, along with other items of interest to help you be a more effective financial steward. Warren, one of the things you do at Ministry Watch is to share developments that might affect the laws as it relates to charity and philanthropy. There's a bill in the California legislature that could affect donor-advised funds. Before you talk about that, can you explain what a donor-advised fund is?
0: Well, I'll do my best, Natasha. A donor-advised fund allows an individual family or a corporation to make a tax-deductible contribution into that fund, which is usually administered by a foundation or some other third party. And once the money is in that fund, the donor can then recommend distributions from that fund to qualified charitable organizations.
1: So why would people do that? Why not just give the money directly to the charity rather than into a donor-advised fund?
0: Well, that's a good question, but there are actually a lot of reasons why an individual, a donor, might choose a donor-advised fund. A donor-advised fund can be especially helpful for people who sell a business or maybe a piece of property, or in some other way come into a lot of money, Suddenly, the donor advised fund allows that person to do research and engage in prayer or whatever it is that they need to do to make a wise decision with his or her gifts without the clock ticking on that December 31 deadline that they've got to give away the money or lose the tax deduction.
1: That makes sense. So why is California wanting to change the rules?
0: Well, opponents of donor advised funds say that wealthy people put their money in those funds in order to get the tax deduction, but they never end up actually giving the money away to ministries or nonprofits. And there is some truth to that. Some of the statistics I've seen suggest that about 75% of the money deposited in donor-advised funds is, in fact, given away in the first five years, but that still leaves billions of dollars that are not given away. At Ministry Watch, we don't think that that's a good idea.
1: So you're still in opposition of the California bill.
0: Well, I am in opposition, despite the fact that there are some problems with donor-advised funds, because the California bill goes well beyond the issue that I just discussed. It probably doesn't make sense, Natasha, for us to get too much into the weeds with the individual bill right here, but we have a really helpful article on the website that lays out the pros and the cons of donor-advised funds, as well as the problems with this particular California bill. And I recommend it to anyone who cares about charity and philanthropy takes it seriously.
1: That sounds like good advice. So everyone, go check it out on ministrywatch.com. Now, Warren, another helpful article on the website this week relates to non-disclosure agreements. You say that churches are using these instruments more and more.
0: Yeah, they are. Nondisclosure agreements, or NDAs, have been used in in the business world for many years but they've been showing up increasingly in the ministry world I first ran into them when I was reporting about Mark Driscoll and Morris Hill Church the situation that we talked about earlier in the program that was probably seven or eight years ago when I was still at world magazine I was constantly hitting a brick wall in my reporting because people were afraid of being sued by their own church because they'd signed these non-disclosure agreements
1: and you said you're seeing an increase in this.
0: Yeah, we are. And in most cases, they're being used to hide bad behavior. This happened at Morris Hill Church, as I mentioned, but it also happened at Harvest Bible Chapel, which is the situation with James McDonald that we talked about earlier in the program, as well as with Willow Creek Community Church, a situation that we talked about last week on the program.
1: Why are you in opposition of NDAs?
0: Well, for a number of reasons. For one thing, they are virtually unenforceable. And that means that their real purpose is to intimidate people into silence. Secondly, in churches and in ministries, they can foster working environments and cultures that prioritize privacy over transparency, concealment over accountability. And of course, Ministry Watch stands for just the opposite. We stand for transparency and accountability.
1: So what would your advice be to the
0: well, if you're an employee, don't sign a non-disclosure agreement. If the organization asks you to sign the NDA when you're hired, you should view that as a red flag. If you're on the other side of the table and you're a ministry leader, a deacon, an elder, and you're trying to decide whether a non-disclosure agreement is something that you should use as an employer we'd like to recommend that you try to find some other remedy. Uh, Whatever the problem is that you think an NDA will solve, it probably won't solve that problem. If you've got people in your ministry that you can't trust, making them sign a document that is virtually unenforceable won't solve that trust problem. In fact, it'll probably only exacerbate it, and it certainly won't build the trust that you need within any Christian ministry.
1: Now, we've only scratched the surface on non-disclosure agreements, Warren, but once again, I assume that you would want to direct people to Ministry Watch websites.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. You can read Steve Raby's really great article. He goes into the detail of what and why non-disclosure agreements have uh, sort of grown up in this country and uh, some specific situations that will help, I think, our readers understand why uh, here at Ministry Watch we don't think that they're a good idea. So uh, you can find Steve's article, and there are also links in Steve's article to other articles or resources that will help you understand this issue more fully.
1: Great. I'd like to end today, Warren, on a positive note by reminding our listeners that most Tuesdays you publish an uplifting story of a Christian ministry doing great work in the world. And this week, the ministry is called Scarlet Hope.
0: Yeah, Scarlet Hope is led by a remarkable woman named Rachel Starr, and her ministry uh, is to women in the adult entertainment industry and prostitutes out on the street.
1: And when you say on the street, you really mean it.
0: Yeah, I really do mean that. She shows up in places like strip clubs and massage parlors to help women find hope in Jesus Christ and the resources to escape from that life into a new life. And how do they do that? Well, for more than a decade, Starr and her team at Scarlet Hope have been building relationships. They've been providing meals. Uh, they even provide job opportunities for women who want to get out of the sex trade. They're based in Louisville, Kentucky, and, uh, but the ministry has recently expanded to places like Las Vegas and Reno, Nevada, where they have legalized prostitution. Other cities like Cincinnati, Ohio, and Nashville, Tennessee.
1: That is a great story. How did you find it?
0: Well, once again, Natasha, we found out about this story because of our friends at World Magazine. Scarlet Hope was World's Hope Award for Effective Compassion Southeast Regional winner last year. World's Hope Awards are a great way to find out about ministries that might otherwise fly below the mega ministries and mega church radar out there, uh, but are providing what world calls challenging personal and spiritual help all without government assistance. And
1: to find out more about Scarlet Hope and the ministry's newly opened Scarlet Bakery, which provides employment and job skills, go to ministrywatch.com. Warren, we're at the end of our time today, but before we go, I want you to talk about a couple of the new features on Ministry Watch's website.
0: Well, I'd be glad to. Regular readers might know that each week I write a weekly review every Friday, uh, which is a digest of the news of the week that we think is worth mentioning, but which maybe doesn't rise to the level of being a full-blown story. We publish that column every Friday, and last week we added two new features to that column. First, we include a list of all the ministries that have been updated in our own database. One of the unsung heroes of Ministry Watch is Kathy Goddard. Every week, weekend and week out for years, literally, she's been updating our database, and we're going to start using the weekly review to highlight her great work and those updates. Now, secondly, Natasha, you can find also in my weekly review column each week a list of changes in the membership status of members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Another unsung hero of Ministry Watch is Stephen DuBerry, who has created a program that identifies any changes to that ECFA list. And we're bringing the results to you. We think the ECFA is an important part of the ministry ecosystem in this country. And donors should know who joins and who leaves. And we'll be bringing that information to you each and every week.
1: And that is a great new service, Warren. Thanks to Stephen and Kathy for the great work. If you want to know more about the stories we've discussed today, or if you want to dig into Ministry Watch archives and see the hundreds of stories we have there, just go to ministrywatch.com.
0: And don't forget uh, to check out the Ministry Watch database that I just talked about. It's the 500 or so largest Christian ministries in America. That database has financial information, Ministry Watch's own rating of the financial efficiency of that ministry, and lots of other information to help you become a more effective steward of the resources God has entrusted to you.
1: That brings us to the close of today's program. Our producer is Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. The writers of today's program include Sean Hendricks, Ann Stike, and Steve Raby. I'm Natasha Smith, This Week in Atlanta.
0: And I'm Warren Smith, the home of Ministry Watch in Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: And you've been listening to Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next week, may God bless you.